previously did uh, eight podcasts, and unfortunately we had to discontinue uh, the War Council podcast, which we'll get into a little bit in the show and talk about why that happened. Uh, but the most important thing is we are back after almost two years. We've changed formats, we've changed direction, and we think you're going to enjoy this quite a bit. Um, we are now going to be a hobby-centered forecast, forecast podcast. Uh, we're going to bring you all the latest hobby news, painting tips and techniques, and we're really going to focus on, on the hobby aspect of hobby, uh, if you will. Uh, we're going to get away from uh, trying to compete with the big boys out there uh, that deal with battle reports and metagaming, and that wasn't really our strength, so we've decided to change direction entirely. In addition to changing direction, we've also changed co-hosts. Uh, our previous uh, host, Justin, uh, left the show back in uh, November of 2014, not due to creative differences. Uh, Justin has been a long friend of mine and continues to be a great friend of mine. Uh, but unfortunately, we just decided it wasn't the right direction for us together as a show. It was kind of hurting. You know, we, we, just, we just chose to go a different way uh, in terms of the podcast, and we decided that it would be best if we stayed friends but didn't work on the podcast together. Um, so we needed a new show, show uh, podcast uh, uh, co-host. Uh, and that brings me to Philip Corman. Philip is sitting across from me here in the studio. Uh, yes. Philip comes to us from Northern Virginia, and he will be joining me for the podcast uh, for the conceivable future, hopefully, unless I make him mad. So, uh, <laughs> Philip, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brings you to uh, what brings you to White Metal Games? Uh, well, thanks, you, Caleb. Um, so, I just moved down uh, from Northern Virginia. Um, we are in the North Carolina Raleigh area, and. Um, what brought me originally to White Metal Games was I was just looking for work, honestly. As a painter, um, I'm a commission painter, and um, White Metal Games has a name for itself, and I figured it'd be a good place to start. Oh, I'm trying not to blush. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you so you read about us online. We're coming mm -hmm. to Raleigh. Needed some work, and uh, I, I pretty much put you to work pretty quick. Like within a couple mm -hmm. of days of you being here, I had you on a project. Yeah, yeah, painting uh, cricks yeah. for. Uh, for the Warmel Words or, line, yep. yeah, for the War Machine line. Cool models. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very fun. Um, so you come to us from Northern Virginia, down here now, and uh, are, are doing some part-time work with me. Uh, in addition to some client commissions, uh, we've really kind of tasked you with um, new releases. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the direction we've taken with that. So, for example, right now, Aegis Sigmar, this is obviously all the new, new things on the block, new kids on the block, uh, and you've been painting up all of our sample product for that. We've got that now listed on our, on our eBay store and in our galleries uh, and on our Facebook page. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, I don't know your take on Age of Sigmar? Like what, what do you what do you think about it? Do you what, how, yeah? <laughs> tell sure. us a little bit about the painting side of that. How about that? Sure. Um, I mean the models are very cool. They're beautiful paint, uh, beautiful sculpted models. Um, and right now you'll find a lot of the Stormcast uh, on the website. Um, I'm still currently working on the chaos side of it, but Stormcast are great. Um, armor design, I mean, they have very, very fluid, very uh, dynamic, all the poses, and the heroes, of course, are beautiful. Um, so, I mean, it's a fun kit to work on, a lot of fun uh, to paint. 
Um, a lot of detail, surprisingly, with how big they are. They do have a lot of detail. So uh, Yeah, whatever people say about the rule set with Ages of Kamara, which is very much still up in debate, no one argues that the models are not beautiful. Like, they're a mm-hmm. great-looking model. Um, and, in fact, I've spent many, many long hours debating with friends about the current state of, of Sigmar and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, but, but the models themselves are great. Games Workshop and Citadel. Are they still called Citadel or is it Games Workshop? Have they dis- dis- dispersed the Citadel name? Is that They still have it, I believe, they? yeah. Uh, so uh, no one will argue that not the finest purveyor of miniatures in the world, I would argue. Just well done, incredibly well well made, uh, computer generated, so a lot of times mold lines were hidden, which mm-hmm. saves us a lot of time, which is great, which means we can save money to our clients because we cut down on assembly. Uh, speaking of assembly, we are uh, in the process of redoing the White Metal Games website. White Metal Games 2.0 will be launching in the next month or so, so look for that online, www.whitemetalgames.com. We will have our new rates published, and we're combining assembly and painting uh, on the new site. But we're not going to get into all that right now. We just want to let you guys know that we are actively working to update our site and bring it into a modern context. Um, so we're going to move on to the painting desk. Uh, in addition to the new format of the show, we're going to have several new segments, and we're going to, rather than slap them all on you at the beginning of the show, we're just going to kind of go through them and kind of, you know, uh, let you know what the segments are as we come up, and then in the future weeks you can kind of expect them. So uh, on the painting desk is a part of the show where we like to talk about what we're painting at the moment. Uh, it gives you an idea of the client orders we're working on, also our personal projects. Speaking of personal projects, Philip has his own Facebook page, Brushwork Minis. You will be able to mm-hmm. find a link in our show notes. Uh, and he puts all of his personal projects on there, plus some of the white metal projects that he photographs himself. So be sure to check him out, Brushwork Minis. Uh, Philip, what's on your painting desk at the moment? Well, as I mentioned earlier, the Age of Sigmar Chaos uh, side of it, I am working on those guys, um, along with a couple personal projects. I was able to get a hold of Joan of Arc model made by Infinity Miniatures. I have not seen that. Very cool. Um, beautiful model. Um, so I've been playing around with her a bit. She's uh, very... I got more of a non-metallic metal theme going with a blue armor. Okay. Which is, we will actually be talking about non-metallics today. That's kind of our center topic for today's show. So it's a great uh, way for me to test that and get a a further idea of how non-metallics work. Um, Did you paint that specifically so that today you'd have, like, you'd refresh your mind about non-metallic metal? Or is this more like it just coincided with what you were doing? Um, A little bit of a refresher, but it really did coincide, and I... Found the model in the box. <laughs> I forgot oh, okay. I had it. And I was inspired to work on her. So Cool. Yeah. Infinity is well known for being incredibly detailed. Mm-hmm. Did you find that to be the case with her? There's a lot of detail, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't find her, at least that model in particular, very difficult to mm-hmm. paint. Uh, a lot of the details, they're pronounced, and there's not a lot of overlaying parts. She's cast so in pewter, right? Yeah. Do you find the details are crisp still in pewter? Do Definitely. you think pewter still still competes? Yeah. She, in the sword and the sheath, they have a hand-scribed... Um, there's writing inside of it, and it's it's perfect. There's no... It's not you know, Great. deformed or anything like that. You can see it very clearly. Cool. So, yeah. So, Age of Sigmar, Infinity. Um, anything else on your painting desk at the moment? Or that, that's pretty much... It's, I mean, the, when we say Sigmar, it's a lot. It's not it is like it's one kid. It's like... <laughs> We, you know, you are you are actively attacking those kits. We just yeah. put you on the Judicators. We're excited for the summer of corn coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the corn kits that are are you know now about to be in pre order, and additionally the Sigmar 
starter is being broken down into blisters and boxes. So we're seeing that now. Uh, the Rathmon, Rathmongers? What are the little cultist guys called? They just like the Reavers? Reavers. Yeah. Reavers. So the Reavers, I think, are either about to be released or are released. Uh, I didn't see any differences between the kit and the the starter. Did you when you looked at it? There are definitely some differences, Is yeah. And the weapon choices um, and some of the ways that you can build the models, some more they options. have some more dynamic poses and things. This is different from when Games Workshop did the cultists from their starter set, mm-hmm. the Chaos Cultists. And it was basically just a you know a copy. Cut, it, was, yeah, it was just the same. Exactly. It was the same sprue. So maybe they took some uh, insight from that, from the you know, just buyer feedback, and decided to, hey, let's go ahead and sh- change this up a little bit. And there's 20 in a box, too, which is for that's, the Reavers. That's quite a bit. That's actually... <laughs> it's a good buy, actually. What's the price on that, I wonder? 58 I believe. So that's actually not terrible, mm-hmm. I think. I, I feel like the prices at GW are going down a little bit. Do you think that's about right? Um, price per model, at least with this particular kit, like it's definitely not bad. down. Yeah. But I would have expected, honestly, them to sell for like 10 for 40 is what I was expecting. So 20 for 58, it's a good deal, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and, and, you know, what's even better right now is that there's plenty of that sort of stuff. If you are an Age of Sigmar enthusiast, there's plenty of that stuff on the secondhand market. eBay is swelling with mm-hmm. models from those sets. So it's never been a better time to get back into the game. Uh, we were talking last night with some friends of mine about Age of Sigmar, and we realized we have never talked about Warhammer this much in our lives. Um, we were not Warhammer. I, I, I love the look of Warhammer. Not a player. Not really. I played one or two games, uh, but it, we've never been. They stirred the pot. They got me talking about it, which never happened before. And they've started actually advertising and marketing themselves. I mean, I think they were at Gen Con this year, which I don't think they've ever gone to a Gen Con event or any okay. sort of thing like that. So I feel like they used pushing. to be in more of that stuff, and then they kind oh, of yeah. dipped out for a while, but. Probably like way back, but yeah. nothing recent that I've heard of. This is back in the Ard Boys days. This is mm-hmm. back like when they were actually actively doing their own tournament scene and that sort yeah. of stuff. And long, um, long time ago. <laughs> uh, currently on my paint desk, uh, working on some proxy models. To, and when I say proxy, I just mean something that you know is a sample figure, something we're, we're painting up. So I'm working on a Reaper Kraken from their Bones miniature line, which is a beautiful model. Uh, you know, I like bones in the bigger figures. In the smaller figures, I find that the details get kind of muted. Um, yeah, and they're kind of wiggly, might be a nice way to put it. The yeah. resin is really, really it's kind a of... flimsy, very yeah. good. It's not uh, very fun. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but that being said, they're bigger figures like uh, uh, Kanjira, the World Breaker, their Tarasque, and uh, the Call of Cthulhu uh, uh, figure for... Um, oh, Lord, I'm going to be crucified. I can't remember his name right now. Cthulhu, just Cthulhu. Uh, their Cthulhu figure and the Kraken. The bigger figures, uh, for me, is where the money's at in, in Bones. You can get huge figures that would have previously cost an arm and a leg for fractions of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the widespread release, you can really you have access to them on the secondhand market for really cheap. Uh, I'm painting up some resin bases for another client. Uh, this is a client who's rebasing his Warhammer army. And uh, he's going to rounds as, as per the, not the rule in Age of Sigmar, but certainly the, the preference, I think, is a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the way they're releasing all their product now. So uh, send me up about 40 or 50 resin bases from Dragonforge, which is a, a maker of resin bases. They make quality bases. Hmm. And uh, painting those up for him so that he can rebase his army. Speaking of rebasing, we are going to be offering a rebasing special on the new White Metal Games 2.0. So for you players out there that have Warhammer armies that are looking to continue to enjoy them, but don't want the hassle of going through rebasing your entire army, 
uh, contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. You can also email us through our Facebook page, either this War Council or White Metal, um, and uh, let us know what you're, what you're interested in, and we will be happy to discuss our new rebasing options for you. Um, what else is on my desk? Oh, Sylvan! Uh, a friend of mine is doing some elves, uh, some wood elves, and uh, he gave me a box of Eternal Guard. We didn't give me, you know, he, he, he let me paint them. So I'm painting up some Sylvan elves. I keep calling them Sylvan elves. I don't know why I'm saying that. The wood elves. I think they're called, well, no, Sylvanas is the uh, tree guys now. That's right. That's what I think you're. Um, so painting those up, uh, which is actually not as bad as I thought it would be. A lot of greens, and I sort of highlighted it up to a yellow. Uh, Warhammer is kind of a misleading game for me because it's like I always think they're going to be more detailed mm-hmm. uh, but when I actually get down into the nitty gritty not so bad um, a lot of cloaks and, and that sort of stuff so a lot of big areas where you can really sort of make the model pop with some airbrush work um, so yeah uh, and I think that's about it on my desk right now we are actively looking for uh, for clients so if you are interested contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com um, I do have one other client commission right now. I have a Centaur project, which uh, he's using an old set of rules. Uh, he's not using... I don't think he's using 8th edition. I think he's using a supplemental rule set from before. Did, did, were, you a, were you a Warhammer player? I don't think we've actually talked about that uh, too much. I've only played one game, so no. So no. <laughs> I'm a collector of the models, but that's about it. Um, so uh, anyway, regardless of which, uh, we kitbashed some um, pewter models, some pewter dryads, and some centaurs. The centaurs were uh, uh, some Native American centaurs, so vaguely mm. racist, I think. Like, in that they were Native American from the waist up and horses from the waist down. Um, so okay. I, I sort of pushed through the offended side of me and said, yeah, this will be fun. Um, so kit bash those up. For those of you that don't understand what I mean by kit bash, uh, Games Workshop does not like you using the word conversion. Um, it's actually on their terms and conditions. They prefer you not convert their product. Uh, so we uh, kit batched these. Unfortunately, we didn't use any GW product for this. So really, they don't have anything to say about that. Um, <laughs> these were from some other line of miniatures. I'm not entirely for sure, uh, but an older line. And you can check out the pictures from our recent conversion on our Instagram feed, uh, which we'll also provide um, a link to in our show notes below. Um, is there anything? Oh, one last thing. Um, so as you can see here, we work with a lot of clients, and when we're not working with clients, we do regular sample models. You can check out all of our samples on our Flickr gallery. Uh, we're also really excited about this uh, uh, Orc project for the Warhammer 40,000 line we've been working on. Um, I- I've always been a big fan of yellow. I know some people don't enjoy it, but I love how it pops on the table. It's hard to paint, but yeah, it looks great if you can do it effectively. So I did a tutorial on Bella Lost Souls about a month ago where I sort of showed a, a preview picture of one of the the Dread Knights from the army. It's a Dread Mob and I'm doing it all in uh, the yellow hue of oh man, I can't think of the orc faction right now that uses yellow for everything. Bad Moons! Bad Moons! <laughs> so uh, I'm a big fan of Bad Moons and if you are, check out some of our pictures on our Flickr page as well as our White Metal Games Facebook page. We'll be finishing that army up in the next month or two. Uh, so if you are a Bad Moons player and are looking to add a Dread Mob to your army, this is the perfect opportunity, uh, as this army has a ton of magnetized options, lots of walking, clanking robots. It's going to be a lot of fun to see painted up on the table. Um, and it allows you to avoid painting yellow, which is <laughs> can be tricky at times. Um, okay, we're going to move on to our next segment, News and Rumors. 
In the news and rumor segments of the show, segments, segment of the show, we're going to be talking about upcoming product, what's coming out next. What is coming out next, Philip? What's what's on the dossier out there? So, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Caleb, the Summer of Corn. So they're doing a lot of those releases throughout August. Um, this week in particular, they're focusing on the Skaven. It looks like it's really just a reboxing now. Um, yeah. So they're just going to be releasing them with the new round bases. New rounds, new ovals. The big, mm-hmm. the big guys have ovals. The giant ones. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess I think that's going to be a couple weeks in the making. It's not one week of releases for them. So I was hoping they'd release time. a few new blisters with that, but I haven't seen any yet. I haven't even seen any rumors about anything new either yeah. for that. So I think it's really just. I mean, well, the Skaven just came out. Like they just released a what, the Vermin I wonder, Lords. I wonder why and, Skaven? I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe because yeah. in the old, in the old. Uh, what do they call that? In the end times release, mm-hmm. the Skaven Lord was a big. He was a big release. He was like a, this giant Skaven ver, Vermin Lord. I think it's Vermin Lord. Yeah. yeah. So there's like five ways you can build them, but I think too, it seems like they're really focused on chaos because they're starting right now. They're doing corn. Skaven is supposed to be incorporated into chaos, I believe. Yeah, they're kind it's of all under the like, under the chaos theme, yeah. right? And I think there's supposed to, rumor I said too that Zinch is coming out with their new releases as well. That would make Lord of Change. Oh. I can't wait. <laughs> See, back when the Bloodthirster came out a few months ago, it seems like it was forever ago now. But when he came out, there was all sorts of rumors about, you know, they were going to have these big kits, they were going to be multi-kits where you could do him as like the Bloodthirster or as a named Bloodthirster, um, like Angron, I think, mm-hmm. the guy without the wings, like the Ruined Forge wings. World, yeah. Uh, I think- no, not Angrath. Angron oh, is a bloodthirster from the Warhammer line that uh, he he pissed off Corn. Corn like bitch smacks him across like the <laughs> galaxy or something, and his, his wings get ruined in in the. Uh, so he's a bloodthirster that can't fly. Uh, is okay. basically which you know which you say that sounds that way sounds awful, uh, but he's got some pretty nasty weapons, and he's been a long favorite of converters like myself uh, to build because he's such a, a unique model. Um, and then in addition to that, we were hoping like when the big. Zinch model came out. They'd have like, uh, well, they kind of do have a special Fate Weaver figure now. You can he's he's part of the pewter kit. Okay. I was hoping the big kit would like double that, uh, and especially considering there was a preview for a video game about a month ago for Warhammer. Do you do you play a lot of games? Like, are do you follow? I do. Games? I, they have so many games coming they, out for it. But this preview had the end of the video showed a Lord of Change kind of hovering over this Empire Wizard. I think it's I think it's a game for like your mobile phones and your apps. It's like okay. a, it's called like Age of Age of something, not Age of Sigmar, but it's, it's like you know, it, it's like the equivalent of a of a battle game, like a World of Warcraft, but for Warhammer, think, which they've done yeah. before. I think uh, they've got the War, the Rome Total War type game coming out. Yeah, where I think that's got chaos and Bretonians and yeah. orcs, so that might be where they're introducing. I, I'm them. a I big fan of Zinch. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a huge secret fan of Thousand Suns, mm-hmm. even though no one else really. <laughs> Really seems to care. So uh, the, when the Bloodthirster came out, I was super excited uh, that they would release all of the demons at that scale, like a giant Lord of Change, a giant, uh, you know, uh, uh, Slanish demon, demon yeah. Greater Demon, yeah, mm-hmm. all of those guys. And named versions would be awesome. That uh, so far, uh, I think someone said it, you know, on a post one day I read, like eventually they'll realize that there are more demons than just Corn and Nurgle. Like Zinch yeah. and Slanish never really seem to get love. Unfortunately, it looks like Slanesh will not be getting any more love either. So, I've Do you think that rumors, those rumors are true? I mean, they tend to be fairly accurate, and when you've got pictures that are 
leaving Slanesh out of them. As you, like, for those of you that aren't aware of this, there's a lot of rumors going along now, around now about Slanesh being removed from the new edition of Warhammer. Like, he's, he's killed by, by the elves or something? He's lost. They just lost. keep saying he's lost. Yeah. So. That's nice, because then they can bring him back in a supplement later and say, yeah. he's found. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, do you think this is probably a move on GW's part to make the game more kid-friendly since Slanesh is all about you know, sex and drugs and rock yeah. and roll and kind of like that <laughs> sort of stuff? Uh, I don't know. I always... Because I, I started when I was a kid. So yeah. I think I was like 10 or so. I remember seeing like the demonites and things and I was like, what? Because <laughs> it was like, the first time you seen like naked like yeah, boobies on her own. On yeah. a model. Yeah, I was like, this sure. is... A, I mean, this we is were a conservative PG. family. <laughs> we were like, this is not right. So it's funny to see that that's kind of taken a turn. You, I don't know. I, feel, I hate that. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I think that that's that's a needed. Like if you're talking about sort of a four horsemen of the apocalypse kind of thing, that it's you need that kind of mm-hmm. lust demon. I, yeah. I think to sort of fill out the pantheon of, of demons. Yeah, and I don't know why it's a problem now. Like it hasn't been for the last twenty years or thirty years or whatever since they were introduced. I, I, so I feel like it's because they're aiming at a, at a lower target mark, like a, a child mm-hmm. audience, like not children, but like you know, ten year olds, twelve year olds. But see, that's when I got into it. It wasn't a problem then. So that's well, I don't, were I don't kids know. more mature back then? What? I would say they're more mature now. I would with porn. At least exposed to yeah, yeah, yeah exposed more. is a good way to yeah. I well, I mean, not a good way to say it, but, but an appropriate way to say it. Uh, all right, real quick before we move on, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention other releases that are coming out. Kings of War uh, by Mantic, which is a mm-hmm. uh, a game system that's kind of, I would say, like a cousin to Warhammer. It's like they sort of have armies that are similar, but they're on a 25mm scale, not 28mm scale. So they're a little too small for Warhammer, mm-hmm. uh, but people yeah. continue to use them anyway. Uh, they're releasing um, a mass release of all sorts of rules from many, many armies that aren't even released yet, like Ratkin and uh, I think Sisters of Twilight is what they're called. They're like Dark Elves. I know you're, you're not a Kings of War. I don't follow too much. Yeah, but. Uh, but I think this was in response to Age of Sigmar releasing its rules for free. I think there, there's a sort of like, which I, I don't think is a great idea on their part because you, I don't think you're trying to keep up with the puck at that point. You're not where the puck will be, to use a Kevin Smith analogy. Uh, you, they, you don't want to necessarily copy your neighbor. You want to stand out, in my opinion. Uh, okay, let's move on to tutorials of the week. Tutorials of the week is a section of the show where we will talk about a tutorial that we have either seen or read. It could be a podcast. It could be a blog. It could be a, uh, a video from YouTube, which is probably where I'm going to get most of mine because I'm a little lazy. And I like a visual. Um, <laughs> so as we've kind of hinted at so far, we're talking about non or we're talking about metals this week. Painting metals, painting metallics, non-metallic metals. Mm-hmm. So uh, Philip. I asked you to sort of look around and see if you could come up with a good tutorial for the show this week. What did you come up with? Yeah, so for non-metallic metals, there is a fantastic tutorial uh, going over the Age of Sigmar Stormcast Liberator. Um, It's made by Painting Buddha, and it's a roughly eight-part series, um, give or take a few videos. It's long. Painting Buddha, is um, they're trying to raise some money right now, I think through Patreon, which is sort of like an art version of Kickstarter, but you don't do it for projects, you do it as a general... Have you ever followed Patreon? No, yeah. So, So basically, Patreon is one of... I think it's supposed to be Patreon, but Patreon is one of these sites where you give money to artists, and per video they are able to collect. So let's say I, I like you as an artist, and I say every time you do a video, I'll give you a dollar. So every time I, he posts a video on YouTube, he gets a dollar from you. It draws it out of your bank account or your whatever, your credit card. Uh, so they're trying to do that to keep alive. 
Uh, okay. Because they, they don't... I, I think they're struggling financially a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I thought... No, was... yeah, I mean, that... He's... So the the artist himself, I think there's two guys, they, they're very well known, actually, I guess, in the um, comp- competitive painting realm. I think I'm cool so that they have a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're very, very good. The series... This eight-part series is an in-depth look. So he paints the entire model step by step. You it's one model, end- not the whole set. It's like one. Yeah. 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 Sorry, it's one. It's one eternal. But he's going through the entire model from foot to head. I mean, he's covering everything. So you see the entire process. How long is about every video? I watched the first one, but I, I feel like it was about half an hour, maybe about thirty to forty minutes yeah. each one. So so it, all told, and I remember in the first video he said like, "We have seven hours to do this." Yeah, I so, think that's about right. So, so that means he, he, I guess, the total videos are around seven to eight hours. Yeah, roughly for one model, which for is one, which is yeah. you know, so, I, I'm not going to spend that long on one model, <laughs> but but I I cannot yeah. deny it looks great. It looks beautiful. I mean, just looking at it, when you see the picture of it, you you can't tell that it's non-metallic metal. And what non-metallic metal is 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 essentially it's using. Uh, basically flat paints, basic your basic average paints. Typically, with if it's gold, you're using browns. Like acrylic. With yeah, um, but they'd have no metallic flakes in it or anything. Um, so it's yeah, they're going to be flat based paints. Um, and yeah, you're you're working mostly with whites, uh, light browns, and dark browns. For for stuff like gold. For gold, and yeah. And then for silver, like the whites, and I don't know what I do for silver actually, like gray maybe. Grays, there's a lot. Of, oh, I see a lot of silver with blue in it, so that they do a sense. little bit of blues. Um, it's a complementary color. I think it looks very good on silver, but uh, he does this entire model with three colors for the golds at least. That's incredible. So he does it with one white. There's a light brown and there's a darker brown. I saw him highlighting. I I, I paid because blending is always it's mm-hmm. a really hard technique to master, and um, I watched him blend. Um, white as a highlight color onto these golds and he at first he puts down some white and I'm like that's too much he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to blend that blended the shit out of it yeah it just, just looks incredible. great yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't even know if he was using drying retarder but so I don't know if it was like the paint was drying yeah and what I mean by that is normally when you blend you want to slow down the dry time on paint so that it allows you more time to, to manipulate it mm-hmm. I don't recall if he used any drying retarder I don't think he did. I don't believe so. Which makes it more impressive because he blends just as it dries, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's essentially a form of wet blending. So, from what I could tell, like when I first started watching the videos, I was it said non-metallic metals. I was like, this guy's a liar. He's using metallic paints. <laughs> I didn't realize because of the picture. Because the, looked... the video of it was so. It, I don't know if it's the camera or if it's just that he wets his paints down or thins them out so much. The they looked very shiny. Yeah. And I was like, this, this has to be metallic paint. But that's how he does it. He thins the paints down to almost little, very little pigment in the water itself. Yeah. and just. I remember the first layer down. I saw him put on, even he commented, it's like, well, it's not entirely even. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the higher, the more in-depth you get into painting, the more you realize that the, the better painters, the big painters out there, the Meg Maples and the all the other ones out there, uh, they they thin a lot. Yeah, you know it's not uncommon to put down five, six layers to get to the point where you're you're satisfied with a layer. Um, working I say even more, honestly. yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, um, but yeah, so so he goes through the entire model, paints it up in about eight hours or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that he de- he designates at least one or two segments of that just to the armor on this guy. I think I mean, it's more. It's like yeah. at least four of the videos are actually just the armor. That's incredible. So, um, 
and the thing I love about like non-metallic metals, if you can master this or at least get a good understanding, it can be applied to so many different things. I mean, the big thing about understanding non-metallic metals and how they work is your light source. Where's the light coming from? Where's it going to reflect off of? To give and, that idea that there is a sheen, mm-hmm. even though when there's not a sheen. Exactly, because that's what you're. That is non-metallic. You're painting the reflective areas of the metal. Yeah. Where you think the light would bounce off. Of. To, that's a good way to summarize it. Mm-hmm. So once you, if you get a good idea or understanding of it, it applies to really any sort of texture. You can understand how light works on leather. Maybe it won't be as bright, but at least you can see. Okay, this is where my light source is. This is where I need to apply the highlights. And I think blend he talks about that in the video too. Mm-hmm. He, he they sort of have a brief. Uh, debate about where the light source should come from and he kind mm-hmm. of says well it should be here and then he proceeds to put it there um, so yeah absolutely that 100% backs up what you're talking about um, you know I, I've always wished because when I first got into the hobby I realized that people were really there's a huge hate on for non-metallic metal or me, for not metallic but for metallic metal like, people mm-hmm. seem to hate metallics um, and I think it's because they're hard to work with at first like you have to you know you get a lot of drag from the metal flake it tends to dry, I think, kind of fast. I don't know if that's because the yeah. the, the, the metals interact with the, the solvents. I'm not entirely for sure. Um, you have to thin it if you thin it too much. So metal is tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you get in the trade, though, is very fast coverage, I think, for most for the most part. Certainly. Um, I wish that companies released... Because here's my thought process. Uh, let's suppose GW releases a... Co- well, let's not say GW. Reaper. Reaper releases a paint, and they call it gold. They just make it gold. So buried beneath the metal flake is an actual pigment in color. Mm-hmm. What I would love is if companies said gold paint, metallic, gold paint, non-metallic. And they just released them as both versions. So that way, if you wanted to have the non-metallic gold version, you wouldn't have to be like, what kind of gold do I want to use? Like, I would actually have the actual paint from that line mm-hmm. that was indicative of what they used in their gold minus the metal flakes. Do and you feel actually, like, do, they, do the, people do that? There are a few, I believe, um, if it's it's not P3, but um, I think Vallejo may have a non-metallic metal. The Scale 75 does actually yeah. have their non-metallic gold and silver. Nice. So there, it's like an eight, I think there's eight paints in a box, um, and they actually show you some examples of how they paint it, but yeah, they do have that available. I mean, when you really get down to it, like there's really only two hues of metal, warm and cold. And then you have a million variations in there, like copper and bronze and blah, 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 blah. Um, so really, I, I think that once you get a firm center for, like, this is how I do warm metals, this is how I do cold metals, or this is how I do gold specifically, then you could probably add a little green for bronze or add a little this for copper, and you could kind of mix and match a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, on the Infinity figure, what, are, what, what you said you're painting her non-metallic. Yeah, I'm using actually all blue. So it's oh, not okay. it's not a silver or steel based metallic. It's sure. more of just um, I use the GW paint range primarily, and I'm using basically a combination of a dark blue, which is Cantor blue, and working up to a Fenrisian gray, okay. uh, which is like a bluish gray, kind of like the Space Wolves. It's sort of a pale, mm-hmm. like a really pale blue. Yeah. Um, so and then a little bit of white for the reflective areas. And that's about it. So it's it's really it's four colors. It's the Cantor, it's Outdorf, Fenrisian, and then white. Um, and then sometimes a little black in some of the deepest areas, just to you know darken it, shadows and things. Um, do you have any uh, work in progress pictures on your Facebook page for that right now on Brushwork Minis? Not currently. Yeah, she's almost done, so I'll probably have her up in the next day or two. Great. Um, so look for that on his on his Facebook page, Brushwork Minis, and. Uh, 
I have not painted any infinity, so I, I really have nowhere to go with that, but I'm super eager to see how that thing looks. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has unlimited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people could be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial, like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your minis where your mouth is. Uh, we're going to move on to product review. Product review is a section of the show where we're going to dedicate a little bit of time talking about a product each week. It might be something new. It might be something old. It, it could be something that we've only recently become aware of. Um, and we're not limiting it to paints or paint-related products, but we are sort of pushing in that general direction. Um, since we were talking about metallics this week, I decided we were going to talk about... Uh, I am going to review uh, Liquid Gold by uh, Vallejo. Um, have you ever used this before? I think we talked about this a little bit before the show started. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I've actually used specifically liquid gold. And it's confusing because they call it liquid gold, but they should just call it liquid metal because they have gold, copper, silver, mm-hmm. white gold. Um, it's an alcohol-based paint, so it's a little different. Um, I think that when I first got into painting, I was confused about the solvents involved in paints. So, yeah. So basically, to, to give you sort of what I would call a very simple view of painting, paints are made up of, of um, three primary components. Pigment, which is your color. Solvent, which helps to dissolve it. Um, and uh, I can't think of the other ingredient right now. Uh, something uh... else. <laughs> which is weird, because I've taught classes on it, and obviously those weren't great classes. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I'll think of it here in a second. Uh, pigment, solvent, binder. 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 Yes. binder is the glue. It sticks everything together. Now, there's a million different additives that you'll find in other paints and that sort of thing. But those are your primary ingredients that make up paint. So when you think of, like, let's say, um, weathering powder from Forge World or whatever, that's your pigment in its purest form, your mm-hmm. most raw form, minus the binder, which is why you can rub it off with your hand. Uh, the binder comes in the form of when you varnish your model and it sticks to it. Um, but in most paints, the binder is some sort of like agent that basically allows it to stick to the model. Effectively, uh, you know, when you when you actually make paint, you're kind of making like a very thin plastic sort of material, sort of or a resin or something kind of like that. So the solvent helps to dissolve the pigments in the binder, and you make this sort of wash—not uh, wash, but it's like a soup—and mm-hmm. uh, that's how you kind of get it. I'm sure someone will disagree with me, but that's a very poor man's description of how it works. Um, so what they do with liquid metal or liquid gold is they take away the basic solvent and they use alcohol as a solvent. So an acrylic paint, usually the solvent is something like water, um, uh, certainly in water water-based paints. Um, and that's why when you mix it with water, it, it sort of thins out, mm-hmm. uh, or thinner. That's a thinner, thinning medium, which is also water-based. Uh, when a paint is oil-based, you have to use an oil solvent, such as mineral spirits. Um, for example, whenever you use like a gauche, G-A-U-C-H, you have to use mineral spirits. Uh, for Vallejo's liquid gold, you have to use alcohol, because it's an alcohol-based paint. Now, um, if you weren't confused already... Uh, the benefit of liquid gold, in my opinion, is that you can really take it and it, it, it basically uh, s- sticks to the model, in my opinion, with immediately with great coverage. And that's always my problem with 
not silver medals, not like bolt gun style iron medals, but gold has always True, been yeah. sort of my linchpin. It's been my Achilles heel. Uh, because whenever I lay gold on, I have to lay two or three layers because it's such a thin color. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably because yellow, as a rule of thumb, is semi-transparent. So gold being some derivative of yellow, I would argue probably, or, yeah. or in that gold family, would be yeah. thinner. Um, the beauty of liquid gold is that uh, it lays on fast and smooth and uh, goes on really, really easy. Uh, and great coverage. You can see lots of video tutorials out there on YouTube. I'll see if I can't dig one up. There's this one guy I was talking about earlier uh, that uses liquid gold for all of his metals and uh, beautiful looking colors. Um, great coverage immediately. Some downsides. One of the downsides is unlike water-based acrylics, uh, if you make a mistake, it can you know be a pain to clean up. So one of the things that they do is they'll, they'll a lot of times they'll apply a satin varnish to a model, not a flat varnish like an anti-shine varnish or a matte varnish, but a, a satin varnish. And what this allows you to do is do a little cleanup when you're painting. And in fact, I think I generally do this for a lot of my models, especially if I'm going to be applying, let's say, I don't know, uh, colors later that I'm worried about. I may apply a satin varnish to a certain area just because of the fact that that allows me to clean it up later. And by clean up, I mean like you take a Q-tip, you dip it in some in some alcohol for this, and you just rub okay. it off. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That makes it so easy. <laughs> Super simple. And a lot of people out there will think, oh, if you put satin varnish on your model, he's going to shine, and he'll shine forever, and he'll be shining. Not true. Later, you apply a matte varnish, mm -hmm. completely uh, gets rid of the sheen from the, from the satin varnish. Um, so you don't even have to worry about that. Like a, a lot of guys who dip their models. Have you ever dip models? you ever do that? I have not. You don't dip? I don't yeah, dip. I don't think you for that. <laughs> uh, so I have dipped a few projects to experiment. I, I love dipping bases because it actually like works really well for getting all the ballast material to stick to the base. And because basically dip is like brown wash, effectively. At the end of the day, it, it stains bases really well. That being said, the sheen is absurd yeah it's so shiny it's so ridiculous the only time it's ever i ever liked it was we painted up these cultists for a slanish army one time and the sheen made all of their black stuff look like dominatrix gear which was kind of appropriate for slanish <laughs> um right before slanish dips out of the entire world, right. world is, lo is lost it's nice and vague uh anyway so um so check out the link to Vallejo's Liquid Metal. It's important to note that they have this in every color you want. They have it in white gold. They have it in silver. They have it in copper. They have it in regular gold. Um, I have them all because I never know what I'm going to need. Uh, and I'm actually, I think I'm on the, the Wood Elf project right now, I'm playing around with using the, the, uh, the, the metals there. So if I do that, I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes and you guys can see a sample of it in action. Um, I'll also try to find a, uh, there's, there's this, oh, I cannot think of his name. It's killing me. There's the, a guy out there that uses it for all of his metallics. He painted up this uh, Heldrake for the Chaos line using it, and I was blown away by how quickly he could trim out the model um, with the liquid metal versus regular metal. Um, so, yeah, so check it out, liquid metal. Don't forget to use alcohol to thin it, not water. Mm. Not mineral spirits, yeah. as I made the mistake of. Uh, I tried that, and I ruined a few brushes. Fortunately, they were cheap brushes, so I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, that is one thing real quick. Cleaning your brushes after using something like an alcoholic base. Or, sure. So how do you find, do you just 
You need to use alcohol, right? You can't yeah, use water so what, at all. Yeah, so what I do is I have brushes that I specifically designate as alcohol brushes. Or, or, you know, in that case, those are my alcohol brushes. And then I have brushes that are my mineral spirits brushes. And then I have, in fact, we can actually talk about this real quick. So metal flake is obviously sort of one of those things that when you're painting metallics, it gets in everything. Um, when I airbrush, and I airbrush with some metallics, like Vallejo metallics, um, and Minotaur is really some metallics too, I don't know if you find this or not, but if I use metallics in my airbrush, even when I clean out my airbrush completely, even when I wash mm -hmm. it out, even when I put a few other colors in there, like I'll put a primer in there to try to get some of it out, I find that down the road, still a little metal flake in there. Yeah. Um, so what I've tried to do now is I have metal brushes for metallics, and I have non-metallic brushes for metals. And then I have two different paint pots, one that I use for washing metal brushes, one that I use for regular brushes. And then I separate my... Vallejo liquid metal brushes, which are alcohol-based brushes, and metal brushes from my wash brushes for mineral spirits. So I have a bunch of different brushes out there, a bunch of different paint pots. Um, but I find this works well for separating metal flake from non-metal flake. And my secret is I buy cheap brushes. I don't buy crazy expensive brushes that yeah. are going to cost me like an arm and a leg. I brought, I, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, I buy like Walmart brushes. Like when you get like the 10-pack for <laughs> yeah. like 5 $8.00. Um, because I know I, I just I'm, I'm going to be really hard on my brushes, so I do that for all of my basic stuff like this. You know, anytime that I I don't really care about the brush too much, like um, basing is a good example. Like, what yeah. brush do you use for basing? And by basing, I mean painting bases. Like, yeah, generally I use a very beat up brush. Yeah. it's frayed on all the edges, and right. I just smash it onto the base to get into the. <laughs> the only time that I run into trouble with that is when I'm going around somebody's foot. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, at that point I like to water it down a lot so that yeah. I can get around easily. Um, I might have to use a decent brush at that point. But if you ever make a mistake on that, do you ever find that when you go back, do you like, let's suppose you paint around a guy's foot. Let's suppose you use your frayed up brush and it looks and it's fine. Let's suppose you get some paint on the guy's foot. Do you A, clean up that paint immediately on his foot, or B, go lazy and kind of weather up his boots a little bit? Like, oh, it's dusty out there. Like, kind of weather <laughs> up a little bit, you know? I tend to, to weather it up a bit, depending yeah. on the, you know, what the scenery is if it's a dirty area just weather it up sure. if it's something clean then you might want to go back and touch it up but generally Absolutely. when you got gravel and stuff at the feet if it kicks up on the boot it's not a problem i actually secretly um i'm i i've experimented with basing techniques in terms of like basing the model before i paint basing the model after i paint mm -hmm. uh painting the ballast material not painting the ballast. what what do you find just just to sort of segue out of that for a second what do you find as your sort of preferred basing technique when it comes to ballasted bases not let's say resin bases or right. like flock or like lava just regular dirt typically i like to what i had done in the past is i would base it after i had painted a model what i find is it creates a lot of issues where you're getting glue on the model after it's painted so you can get all this stuff you mean if same. you do it afterwards you get yeah at the, the very end like so, when you're applying it and you get some glue on his foot yeah exactly yeah. so what i've started doing now is i actually when i build a model i put all the gravel or whatever i want the basing to be mm. and then i just prime it all as one i and like that because i feel like the paint works as a, a binding agent exactly yeah yeah because that's another issue this stuff just kicks off so easily the kind of glue i use is like a wood glue it's a gorilla wood glue and that stuff is perfect. I yeah, you've been that. harping that on me for a while. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> it doesn't we, break uh, off. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> this is not the expanding glue, right? This is their traditional... It's, like, their, it's a wood glue, yeah. It's so it's, gonna, it's like your PVC glue. Just, just out of curiosity, does wood glue, this sounds naive, 
can you use wood glue on non-wood products and mm-hmm. it works okay? It's worked on sand. I use a lot of sand and gravel type okay. stuff, so it's had no problems with that. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll have to do a, a, an episode where we do basing, and we'll have to compare your wood glue analogy versus <laughs> traditional basing. Uh, all right, but moving on, we are moving into our next to last segment of the show, Tips on Technique. Uh, tips on technique is a part of the show where we're going to talk about anything we want in terms of technique, uh, whether it be airbrushing, blending, wet blending, wet palettes, uh, and then you know even away from that, just how do you work on your hand-eye coordination? How how do you measure how much pressure you should apply for a certain technique? What's the difference between overbrushing and dry brushing? How do you paint eyes? Like how do you develop muscle memory? Like is there such a thing as speed painting? Those are just some of the ideas that came to our mind when we were discussing the segment. Obviously, today we're doing non-metallic metal versus uh, true metallic metal, as, uh, as Philip told me before the show started. So um, this is going to, what we wanted to talk about was sort of um, the differences and kind of the pros, cons, maybe, like mm-hmm. non-metallic metal versus, versus regular metallic metal. So uh, why don't, you've talked a lot about that. Why, why don't we uh, try, we'll try this. Uh, First off, what do you prefer, non-metallic or true metallic metal? Depends on what you're going for. Um, metallic metal, true metallic metal I, is great if you're trying to do something quick, which you mentioned earlier. If you need to do quick painting, so it's the a lot faster. Stuff. What it, are you doing on yeah. this? Yeah. yeah, it's all metallics, metallic-based paints uh, for the age of Sigmar. Generally, with anything that's like your standard tabletop-type miniatures that you just plan on playing for the games and things, I usually use the metallic metal-based paints. Um I usually reserve non-metallic metal strictly because, or mainly because of the time that you got to spend on it, is for higher-end projects, something that you really want to stand out. Standalone models, solo figures. Which is why Infinity was working great for that, because you have a small squad, five or six guys, it works. For an entire army, it's not uh, practical whatsoever, but it looks fantastic, Um, and... Yeah. Do you find with um, with metallics, my biggest problems have always been one coverage, which is what liquid metal is good for, liquid gold. Uh, but specifically, the silver flake. So when I thin out my paint, uh, first off, metallic seems to dry really fast on my palette, like yeah. much faster than other they paints, do. I feel yeah. like. Um, and additionally, the drag, and I don't know if this is actually a painting term, but it's something I've sort of coined, is the metal flake is actually like... It's in there. It's an actual element in the paint. It's like yeah. it's flakes of silver. It's I think in it's, silver. Mm, well, some use actual flakes of metal. Some yeah. use mica. Okay, so which is mica is a rock, right? Yeah. yeah, but it's very reflective. So if you think about this on a very very small level, you're dragging rocks around in your paint. So of course it's hard to get coverage. Of mm-hmm. course it's difficult when you paint it onto the figure uh, to get it even out. Um, and worse yet, when you try to pump it through your airbrush. Man, like yeah. blockages, like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I, I have that experience, at least, which is why a lot of miniature, uh, a lot of painting companies have released their versions of like airbrush paint versions mm-hmm. of stuff, uh, which I love. Minotaur has several airbrush paints that I use, and Vallejo, uh, thank God, has a has a really good line of metallic airbrush paints that I use for airbrushing. Um, so it depends on the project for whether or not you like true metallic versus non-metallic metal. Um, do you find that uh, with with do you find that you get a better reaction from like let's say clients or like feedback forums or like 
posters about when you paint a metallic metal versus a non-metallic metal? Do you find that people tend to... I think that people, mm-hmm. in my mind, gravitate towards non-metallic metal, that they don't like metallics, like real true metallics. And, and my instinct is that they don't like it because it's harder to paint um, versus necessarily better looking. So I guess what I'm asking is, what do you prefer? When it, when it doesn't come down to, like, what do you actually, I guess, prefer there? What do you find that people prefer... In terms, I, I find a lot of pleasure in working with non-metallic metals. Um, it's more fun to me. Um, when it comes to the ease of it, I mean, you have a little bit more control, I think, over non-metallic metals because you are you're choosing where you want the lights to go. You're choosing all of that, um, which can tend to lean itself towards a better looking model. So you don't around. find that you do like a zenithal highlight for that. You find that you'll do like, let's say, like. Um, Let's say a guy's wearing a breastplate. Mm-hmm. You may be like, well, I'll, I'll put the light over here on whatever, the right, uh, I don't know what I... Right heck. shoulder or something. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, and so the light will sort of scintillate, for, is that a word, scintillate? Kind of come down mm-hmm. from that side. Um, is that about how you normally, like, sort typically, of like painting Buddha, where he picks a point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to pick a point, typically with with the light reflecting and things... You have multiple points actually. It's never. It's usually not one shoulder pad that's getting all the lights. Sure. Usually, uh, some on the feet. You want to choose a few areas that you want to maybe stand out. A Do bit. you find that? Let's suppose. Let's use the the shoulder pad example. Mm-hmm. So, guy's got two shoulder pads on. In, in the miniature world, the sun is let's say over his right shoulder pad. Do you say forget that and just paint the left shoulder pad however you want, or do you make your object source light? appropriate to both shoulder pads to keep the narrative of the miniature true yeah typically i it really depends on the pose of the model sure so um like for instance the one i'm working on with joan of arc she's she has a big shoulder pad on one side that's is she actually like a joan of arc looking like 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 martyr kind of figure i haven't actually seen this figure um She's no, she's more like sci-fi armor, but she has a sword. Okay, and it's kind so of sci-fi kind of a, Yeah, essentially. Okay. So, but yeah, I have it going down primarily down her left side. Um, is that where the focus her, point on the model is? Like, like yeah, where her, her sword, sword up, is. Yeah, her okay. sword's on the left, and everything's kind of focused there. And on the right side, I've picked out a few areas that would probably be more in shadow, but or if I use that one light source approach. But by giving her a couple different light sources, it helps bring everything out in different areas. How many hours would you say you've put in on her so far? Uh, being, being uh, you know, just loose. You don't have to be exact. Like. Probably roughly 10 hours. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be a nice looking figure. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um, and I say, oh, my God, like, because I'm more of a speed painter. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't think I could do... I can do one figure in 10 hours if I wanted to, but it's got to be a big figure. I'm not going to spend 10 hours on, like, a, an infantry figure. But I think that you're more of the line of, like, I mean, for sure, if you look at, like, I'm not embarrassed about this. Philip paints way better than I do. I am super lucky that I met him because he's a great painter. Um, but I, I, I think that for me, I want to get through stuff faster. Mm-hmm. So non-metallic is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like I don't want to do that, right? Which That's is why I say I reserve it for like specific models. Sure. Um, I would never do this over, you know, like all my liberators for Age of Sigmar or anything like that. But Here, here's it, just just out of curiosity, I'll throw this idea out there because it, I mean, it's just occurring to me now, and I think it'd be interesting. Uh, let's suppose you're painting up, um, I don't know, a tank. Mm-hmm. So you paint the tank, and you paint him in uh, non-metallic metals. Um, then 
you wanted to show a chip or a bullet hole, would you paint that with a true metallic metal just to make it look stand out or different? Or do you know what mm. I mean there? Like a metal chip, like like uh, when yeah. people show weathering on a model, that sort of thing. Because for example, like a bullet hole, even if I'm painting, let's say, let's say I'm painting ultramarines and I'm painting them blue, 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 blue. And then I want to show a bullet hole. I would probably like what I my standard technique is. I'll do like a little little dot of silver anywhere on the model, and then I'll put a little black mark in the center to show the 3D technique or the 3D shadow. So that works really well. But I've never considered it on non-metallic with true metallic. Like I've never thought about how a metallic chip would look on a non-metallic surface, in terms of like yeah. if you're trying to duplicate metal. I think that'd be kind of interesting. It'd be worth trying. I've never thought about trying to do that. Um, it'd probably stand out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting a very may, Maybe in a bad way. I'm not sure. Yeah. If anyone has an example of that out there, please send us a picture. I would love to see that. Um, uh, I was thinking about this a long time ago. I, I've, I told you earlier on the show, I'm a big fan of Zinch and Thousand Sons. I really wanted to do a Thousand Sons themed army. You, you play 40K? Mm-hmm. We've talked yeah. about that a little bit. Um, he, Philip and I are both more hobbyists than players, I would, I would say generally. But yeah. we both enjoy the game. Uh, with Thousand Sons, I always wanted to do a, a Zenish chapter where it was uh, uh, basically their suits are sarcophagi. So I wanted to do them in gold mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of make it a weathered gold. So basically the idea being that I would, when you sort of see like paint chip and you see the metal underneath, I was going to do that but with gold weather. So anytime there was a chip in their armor, it was going to be gold to make it look like their underlying suit of armor was was gold, not metal. But I tried it once. It was okay. Uh, But it's hard to sell that technique because without the context, people don't really know. Mm -hmm. So I think that the way that would have to work is you'd have to have some really big, like, Blood Angel-style, you know, Tutankhamen heads to really (laughs) sort of sell that it's a walking sarcophagus kind of thing. Um, That's kind of off-kilter. Okay. Moving on to our second-to-last segment of the show, One Minute Rant, which I've been looking forward to all week. This is where we let it all fly, ladies and gentlemen. This is where we've decided that if we have anything we want to vent about, we're going to vent about it for one minute only. We're not going to go beyond that because we don't want to be haters, but we do (laughs) want to get out our frustrations. Um, I'm going to start this off. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun segment that we're going to enjoy. Um, since we're talking about metallics, to kind of round up our metallics discussion, I am going to rant for one minute, and I'm going to set my timer real quick. There we go. We have a timer on the show now. Great. Uh, I am going to set my timer, and I am going to rant about, starting now, Reaper Dragon Gold. Reaper Miniatures is a purveyor of beautiful miniatures and an amazing line of paints, but what the hell happened, Reaper? You used to make this incredible paint called Dragon Gold. Dragon gold was the deepest, darkest gold I'd ever seen. It was so dark. It was so rich. It had so much depth to it. You could buy it in a set where you had a couple different highlight colors. I used it for years. Finally get to the bottom of my bottle, go to buy some more a few months ago. Gone! Reaper dragon gold is gone. Could not believe it. I have tried to find... I I cannot find a gold that competes with this anywhere. I hate GW golds. I think they're all basically too light, they're too bright, they're too shiny. Burnished gold is, in my opinion, kind of ridiculous. It's like, it's, it's such a light gold. I've never seen gold like that in real life. So I, I've been hoping for years to find a really dark gold. I finally find it, Reaper Dragon Gold, and now it's out of production. Worse, nothing on their website competes with it. 
They have lots of different types of gold. They have gold 5 through 12 or whatever, but nothing as deep or as rich as dragon gold. Uh, so that's it. Reaper, what the hell, man. Okay, I'm going to reset the timer. Philip, I know you're probably nervous. It's okay to be nervous. You're no, time. no. <laughs> okay, we're going to set one it. minute on the clock. Philip's one minute rant. Go. Uh, well, I really didn't actually have anything picked out for this one minute rant, unfortunately. I was surprised. Yeah. I, well, I haven't had a lot of products. I will say there is a metallic paint out there that is very difficult to use. If you've ever heard of um, True Metal Paints, it is a wax-based paint. And the cool idea behind it was that you could paint it on there and then you could burnish it or buff it out. Okay. So it almost gave a very reflective quality to it. Problem is you can't use it for like really anything. Like once it's it's great for one color. And then if you try to paint over it or wash it or anything, it looks terrible. Huh. So I don't know. I, I bought like four of these paints. There's gold, they, they silver. They, yeah, they're like ten bucks a piece. Oh my god. So they're they're not the what best is, paints. What is the name of these? Yeah, they're called True Metal Paints. I believe they're made by AK. Oh boy. And yeah, they're they're not the best investment. Don't I would AK recommend. does make some good product. They do, but I would not recommend these paints if you're trying to do metallics for miniatures. Maybe if you're doing like a basing and you have like a large metal sheet that wax they're standing on. Paint. That just yeah. I don't even understand. Is the wax the solvent? No, the wax is the medium. Is the the sil- you use the mineral speed spirit yeah. to okay. thin it. Okay. So it's another thing where you better so have your own so brushes. So oil based paint with a wax medium. Mm-hmm. Pretty that much, yeah. is insane. Is the coverage any good? The coverage is actually pretty good. And then you want to go over with like a Q-tip or some sort of uh, huh. piece of paper to buff it out. Wow. And it does give a beautiful shine, but it doesn't go with anything. <laughs> so, True Metallic by AK. What the hell? Okay, those are some up with our one-minute rants for the week. Uh, and that takes us to our outro. We are out of here this week. Let us know in our feedback and comments what you thought about the show. Let us know if you like the new format. Let us know if you felt like Philip's five-minute rant was less a, a rant and more of just a general displeasure. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. And be sure to check out all the new stuff we're doing. You can find us on Facebook or under War Council. You can find that directly under our White Metal Games link where we repost it. We are also on iTunes. iTunes is uh, you know Apple's vehicle for podcasts they've over 150,000 podcasts last time i heard we are one of those so be sure to check us out there we'll have a link there uh, so check us out on facebook check us out on itunes listen to us in the morning and we invite you when you're listening to us uh to paint a miniature you know this is what the show's all about it's all about metals or not about metals this week was about metals mm-hmm. it's all about painting models so you know bring a model sit down listen to us for a, a you know a hot hour let us know if you like the new format of the show, if you think we're moving in the right direction. Um, Philip, anything to sort of, any sort of final thoughts for the week? First show, how do you feel about that? Uh, first show, uh, it's a little bit different, new experience. But, never done uh, a podcast. Never even been never, a guest on a podcast before. No, I have not. So this okay. is the first. So We popped your, we popped your podcast there. That's, that's <laughs> yes. what that is. Yeah, um, but... Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening in, and yeah, uh, absolutely. Look forward to hopefully having you guys come back. My name is Caleb Dillon uh, with White Metal Games. With me this week is Philip Corman, and he will be back next week. And until next time, this is just a reminder: let your minis where your mouth is.